Here's your host, Alex Garrett. I'm Alex Garrett, and uh, this one is going to be a fun one because, uh, you know, my next guest, Robin Bates, who's actually the coach for geeks, he has that brand, Coaching for Geeks, uh, talked about live streaming, uh, you know, for gamers as a way of, um, what, public speech, you know, all of that way of talking. And I'm, I'm like, this is amazing because, you know, Gaming and gamers, sometimes they have a very negative stereotype against them. But Robin points out that this is a good way for them to get out of their shell, if you will, on Twitch, on all these other platforms. Right, Robin? Good to have you on. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of introversion and introspection within the geek and the community. And all of these platforms really provide an opportunity to... Let's practice your skills at uh, engaging, interacting, and and growing a brand, whether that's your personal brand, your streaming brand, your YouTube brand, or or anything else that you've got going on. Um, thanks for having me along. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you finally. Yeah, it's finally, it's great to have you on. I've seen your post for a while, and I said, this, this guy's got some interesting talking points. Because, you know, uh, I was seeing just as we were starting to interact, William Shatner said they played an SNL clip from 1986. He just celebrated his 90th birthday, by the way. But he's like on SNL telling all these guys at the Star Trek convention, don't you guys have a life? And I thought that was so interesting. It's like, here's a guy who's like, I traveled. I was on TV. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? William Shatner was on it. Yet he inspired a whole bunch of people. I had to say to sit around on their TV and watch TV, but he inspired kids. And I would hope also, Robin, that he himself inspired innovation but sadly, some in the community, in, in not the gay community, I hate using that term, but in that community, um, their lives are, are very closed off. So how do you help people unclose off from, from the world if they are known as a geek? Sure. There's uh, a lot of very, people who've lived very sheltered lives who haven't gone out there and experienced the world uh, in all its joy, in all its glory, in all its fairy, scary unpleasantness as well, or they have done, and they decided to close themselves off from that and retreat into into gaming, into box sets, into uh, coding, what, whatever floats their boat. Um, it's really about tapping into what excites them and showing them that there is more of that out there that you can have more uh, gaming, more joy, more cosplay, more sci-fi, and really broaden your world, broaden your horizons. Um, sometimes it's simply a case of going, hey, if you learn these skills, you'll earn more money so that you can buy more Funko Pops. And that's <laughs> sometimes enough to unlock people. But it's something that you talk about a lot, adaptability. People have lost, in some cases, that adaptability, that flexibility. And without that, you kind of lost. Mm. Without adaptability, without being able to flex to the world's demands on you in an ever-changing landscape. And we learn these skills as geeks. If you're playing <laughs> tabletop games, 
um, your learning strategy. You have to flex, you have to adapt, or you're not going to win. If you're playing D&D, depending on your dungeon master, they might be an absolute asshole <laughs> and throw all kinds of nonsense your way that like you have to D D is dragons feet. and dungeons. I've not played Dungeons and Dragons, but I know of it. I've not played it, but I know of the of the game. Yeah, a tabletop role playing game where your dungeon master can throw any scenario, any situation <laughs> at you and you think you've saved the day and then they turn around and reveal that the person you were saving was the villain all along and you have to uh, adapt to that. What what are we going to do now? When you you learn teamwork and you learn role playing skills and flexibility, adaptability, improvisation skills. In video games, it's about learning patterns and then adapting to them as the game bends or breaks or adds to those patterns. So those it's it's like the templates are embedded within everyone. But Robin, I also feel like I feel like you also teach kids and, and maybe adults too that yeah, you can enjoy and get the serotonin from games, but adapting into real life interaction is so key as well, is it not? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, some people can be super successful and live their life as a, as a recluse, but those are in the in the minority. <laughs> you've got to you can learn to play the game, but you've got to learn to play the the social game as well. Uh, depending on where you want to go there's your career there's a social game to be played there about Mm. interacting with the right people and making yourself useful to the right people and being seen as an expert or a useful person or somebody who's diligent and professional and creative whatever your career demands and i see so many people being left behind because they either don't understand or refuse to play that game. I'm just here to do my job. And how did you get to be in this job? Because obviously you had experience sort of not being a recluse, but being introverted and saying, you know what? I've got to break out of my own shell. So how does, where does your story begin in this coaching for geek journey? (laughs) My story begins in, in the, in the late 1970s when I was spawned onto this world but i i grew up my best friend was um the home computers of the 80s the spectrum 48k plus the amiga a500 the super nintendo entertainment system uh the 3do someone had to own one uh, and that was me uh, and so on and i learned I, I replaced valid useful social interaction with 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 gaming and as a progress, you know, I was playing board games against myself because I had no one to roll dice with. My granddad would sometimes play with me, rest in peace, granddad Bates. Mm. Um, but as I carried on, I, I kind of replaced, I went to university and came out of my shell a little bit, but rather than having genuine social confidence, uh, and I was really uncomfortable in my own skin as well. Um, I've I repl- I self-prescribed, so I, I bought a bag of weed, a Dreamcast, some cocaine, uh, mm. a whole bunch of alcohol with my student loan, um, and I kind of forced it. This is not how you fake it till you make it, folks. Please mm-hmm. don't spend your 20s high, um, because it meant that I really fell behind with my career. I fell behind. I was working in... There's nothing wrong with working in retail, but I was working in retail... Um, for a bit longer than I would have liked. Uh, it's an important thing. And really, retail workers, we absolutely salute you, especially during the pandemic. You've kept us all going. Mm. Um, 
and I got onto the management training scheme and I realized that wasn't for me. I didn't want to manage uh, what is essentially the UK version of a, of a Walmart. Um, and uh, I got into publishing. Uh, I, got, I managed to get a small job, a small publishing firm. And I started to learn about uh, learning styles and working styles and mentoring and coaching and all these really interesting ways of teaching that weren't around when I was a kid, that's for sure. Uh, I started to absorb this. And then eventually the the London came calling. The company was absorbed by a much bigger publisher. Uh, That was really the start of me. It exposed me to this world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to sing it as much as I almost did then. Um, And that was never the plan. I was never going to go to London. I was going to go north to Manchester. Another story entirely. Um, But this exposed me to this world of coaching, of mentoring. It opened my eyes, it opened my mind um, that there are other ways of being, that you aren't the person necessarily that you think you are, that you can grow, you can change, you can adapt you can mold yourself into something new. And it took years to get there. Um, uh, 10 years later, a few jobs later, I'd worked at the Institute of Physics um, and I was very fortunate that I was sent on a uh, professional development course there. It was one of those, we can't pay you more, so we'll train you really well. Uh, And uh, I did a coaching course uh, through the Chartered Institute of uh, Personal Development and again, this opened my eyes. I was like, wow, these are really powerful tools. And I started using them with my teams. And they were getting amazing results, possibly slightly too good, but they all kept getting better jobs and leaving me. <laughs> and then eventually I got what I thought was the next logical step in my career. Uh, it was a promotion, a step up, a new organization. And oh, what a mistake I made. It was one of those um, I found myself crying on the London underground. I've been eating my oh. feelings. We have a, a high street bakery called Greg's. If anyone knows it, and I was visiting we have Greg's, Gregory's a couple coffee of times. here. I don't know if it's the same thing or not, but we have Greg's coffee, Gregory's coffee here. So we're kind of possibly similar <laughs> um, sausage rolls and bacon sandwiches and pies and pasties and sweet treats. And that was my favorite place Two bacon sandwiches. Uh, every morning on my way to work to get me ready for the day. As long as you uh, get a pie from uh, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber's Fleet Street, right? No way. Well, <laughs> I used to live near Fleet Street, but <laughs> but no. Uh, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd made a horrible mistake. I hadn't planned my career and just bumbled along. Uh, and I threw my toys out of the pram and went, that's it. I'm leaving London forever. I'm moving to. Devon and getting a dog, we'll walk on the moors, you know, very Jane Austen, Poldarkey, um, misery and drizzle and staring at the crashing waves until people said, why don't you do something with that coaching that you're always doing with us and with your teams? And and so Coaching for Geeks was born. Um, admittedly, a couple of years later, I retrained in uh, neuro-linguistic programming, did some cognitive behaviour therapy, some other techniques and just sort of mass them up. I went, who am I helping though? Who am I helping? And I realized it was it was geeks and nerds. I created <laughs> something that I needed myself 10, 20 years earlier to help me. I want to so ask you about that. People Be- don't go through what I did. But I want to ask you about that because you said you were addicted to your your computers at the, in, in the 70s, in the 80s and, and whatnot. Now I just feel that 
technology has allowed kids and, if you will, geeks and gamers to be more addicted than they were back in the 80s, 90s? Or do you feel like even though the technology is advanced, there's still that same level? Or has this enhanced the level of maybe addiction to the phone, addiction to gaming? Uh, has it enhanced it or, or is it the same as it was back then? I think it's more people have obviously have a lot more screen time. Um, cell phones, mobile phones. It was it wasn't that long ago where the most they could do was play Snake, make calls, and you got charged. How about a Game Boy? That's um, what I had. You know, <laughs> ten pence, ten cents for every text that you sent. Yeah, I had a Game Boy, but that wasn't that was a big chunky beast. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, so I think screen time is very much prevalent and that's a source of uh some of society's ills that we spend less time in person i think that might change post pandemic post lockdown that people are going to really uh refine in person activities as being vital I, I just we'll talked about this yesterday adapting and <laughs> no and interacting better i think what yeah. we're longing for is interaction with people again, but maybe we yeah. could talk to each other better than we did pre-pandemic. What do you think? I don't know. Will we have lost some of our social skills and, and understanding those cues, or will we have a heightened sense of of what we need, what we want? It's going to be interesting to find out. Um, but I think a lot of in-person activities are really going to thrive and flourish Um board game cafes and escape rooms and theme parks and anything where you can get together and be social have a conversation and do an activity i think that's really going to um flourish especially in all the retail units that have closed down there's so much space on the high street here in the uk for things like that to um pop up and thrive and i know you guys have had the variant issues and everything so i know you guys i mean we're we we couldn't say locked in for a day you guys have been locked in for months on end and i mean you were hungry to get back out there i just i just know it i see it from some friends on tiktok and all that other stuff so let me ask you uh let me ask you this then so mental health because i feel like mental health there is such judgment against people who game, such judgment against what we would, what what people may classify as geeks, that that's been hurting mental health, the mental health of them. Have that like, have you had seen stories of people coming to you saying, "Yeah, I really can't handle this pressure, or I can't handle like the judgment I'm getting against me." Like, talk about that for a second. Sure, there there are people who maybe grow up with less techie friends and families and don't have that support group. I feel very lucky that I have built a community full of geeks and nerds. So we're all kind of, we all get it. But if you don't have that, it's tough because people want to feel that they belong. That's mm. sort of, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's, it's goes back to that, um, Back down in the limbic system, down in the um, I can't reptilian. That's the word sure. I'm struggling to find. No that worries. Reptilian part of the brain, that tribal. We we want to belong because it's 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 key to our survival. That we're part of a tribe, part of a community. And if you don't have that, it's really painful. You're feeling like an outcast, an outsider. Mm. I mean, sure, some people thrive on that, but without having some place, even the outsiders like to go somewhere to belong to the 
the rock bar or the dingy nightclub or the the, the somewhere for them. So it's it's really hurt someone mentally to not have somewhere where they feel like they belong. And that's one of the we've we've lost out a lot on a lot of comic cons over the last year. And that's one place where I see a lot of people feeling that sense of uh belonging. Like it's almost like they're oh, they put on their Wonder Woman costume, walk through the doors of the convention center and they come alive. Like, yes, this is home. This is where I, I belong. I post about this so I could be open about it. Uh I went to CradleCon, which is the Long Island version of this at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. Maybe you've heard of that actually being involved and i'm sure you got some new york friends out here they have this thing called cradle con which is a little smaller than javits obviously but it's still fun but they had a phone booth and what did i do i went in there and then i came out with my superman outfit so there you go you know like it's that kind of nice yeah amazing so it was a it is and to me as a as a guy who kind of want to relate more to sports and then i had superman you know that's been my main character uh, I aspire to be like rolling a blade around New York City on one leg and and uh, when I was a baby I had my fist clenched through the NICU so I felt the power of Superman but I also felt the power of like sports and I guess hate to say feeling normal playing sports but then you know I embrace my uh, comic-con side too so that's that's kind of a relief to be able to do that <laughs> nice so again right we're gonna see you uh, maybe take to the cosplay masquerade next time. Oh, I mean, TikTok has allowed that, and it's encouraged me to do that because I see so many. And then I see a friend, a friend named Colleen. She does it on her own crutches too. Like she's got cosplay. I guess we could go into that. Like the, the disabled world has people that love comics. If people weren't aware that disabled people actually have interests, we do. Uh, <laughs> um, and some actually take what they've got. And be creative with it. And I find that in the Comic-Con world on the disabled side. Maybe you've seen that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly people make use of um, mobility aids and, and other items that they use and, and include them in, in their costumes. Sometimes to absolutely phenomenal effect. Um, like, don't feel like you have to, but if you want to, you can turn yourself into... Um, Sigourney Weaver in in <laughs> Alien and builds up around uh, a wheelchair. I've seen that happen. I've seen someone um, be Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, see yep. all sorts um, like absolute crazy costumes. Um, it's the, the only limit is well, I say your imagination, but also your skills and ability to make a costume. But I, but, but don't I, let that stop you. Have and a they don't. And then I find that they utilize their wheelchair to be part of that you know it's kind of really it's very cool as a matter of fact like they utilize every part of them including their physical need you know adaptability yeah, needs like yeah. a wheelchair to do it it's, it's very cool so i'm glad you've seen that side as well yeah i love it i love just seeing people really just embrace the spirit of comic con and just go for it like it from ridiculous mashup costumes to things that people have made from cardboard and, uh, and and chip packets and things like they found around the home while we're on this though i feel like female cosplayers are sort of embraced they're like oh you're so attractive or you're this that and the other when males try and do it they're like dude grow up so how do you combat that at coaching for geeks 
Well, again, it's about that feeling of belonging and part of it is growing your resilience and not caring what other people think. Like if somebody has an opinion of you, so what? Like, we but all I have find that I, I'm of sure in, people. I'm and... sure in your group, it's tough for them to feel like that, like that. So what mentality? So you get them there, right? Yeah, it's um, it's some of the work that we do with uh, with clients. It all depends on people's needs, but showing people that, uh, explaining that thought process of why we care what other people think, and again, it comes down to this sense of wanting to belong. Um but then bringing it back to our own values, figuring out what our own values are and what's important to us. And then looking at if someone's criticizing us, if it hurts, that probably means that we believe it at some level. So we can pull that apart and look at it and go, what is it that you are believing about this criticism? And then usually we can come up with some evidence to throw against it to show that that belief isn't true. So um, do you feel like you need to do a little counseling yeah, coaching for geeks in addition to literary coaching? And to be like, yeah, I can counsel you through this feeling you got as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I would never call myself a counselor. It's very um, action focused, planning, uh, accountability. But I have done a lot of training in neuro-linguistic therapy, uh, cognitive behavior therapy. So I do draw on those things to support my clients and support my community to change the way they think and adapt, adapt and adopt more useful, productive ways of thinking. Because you, sometimes you can just make a little tweak to the way you label things in the world and get a completely different response to it. That's a great. So, that's a great. Sorry, go on. No, that's a great segue into my next question because I want to know success stories. Like, have you seen someone come in and say, "I'm afraid to embrace this because I don't want the world to look at me funny," and then they come out of it, or that, while they're still, you know, I'm sure once the coaching is ended, so to speak, it never ends, right? So, but any success stories that you could tell us? Oh, sure. There's um one guy. This was quite near the start of coaching for geeks who came he was um unhappy with his career he was unhappy with his work he was he just wanted to be loved um he, he just really really wanted to be loved and didn't feel maybe worthy mm. of that and I, I it's hard to talk about the process that we went through but he was one of my one-to-one -one clients and we spent a lot of time talking about his thinking talking about his values talking about what's important and then he ended up quitting the course that was causing his depression, um, getting a job, which meant that he could then move out of home. And then he met the love of his life and they now live together. They have pets and they're just happy in a lot of ways. He never imagined that he could be. But a lot of the people who come to me are more um, entrepreneurs or content creators who are struggling to grow their audience it's like i have to give them a tangible outcome nobody really wants to buy um mindset or confidence they want a more tangible result so a lot of the work i do with people on growing their audiences is actually around confidence and self-belief and mindset and getting them to believe in themselves enough 
so that other people will believe in them as well. Like Terry, if you're listening, Terry, hello. Uh, yeah. He's a driving instructor. And he started a podcast and he didn't know if it would go very well. And he's just messaged me three times. So they go, oh, I've been asked to be a guest expert on this podcast and that one. And this person wants me on. It's like, yes, you're believing in yourself and other people are seeing that. You are now a thought leader in driving instruction in the UK because nobody else is doing this. Look, look at what you have built. Look at what you are. It's amazing. And so many people just need a little bit of a shove in the right direction, a little bit of an arm around the shoulder going, do you know what? It's going to be okay. I believe in you. If I can believe in you, you can believe in you. So come on, let's work on this together let's put a plan in place let's get the ball rolling and see what happens um Robin. oh i love fuzz, fuzzy action not being ready for something and just going fuck it let's do it and see what happens Robin, I lo- forward sorry i know I, I love this i love this because you're also the fact that you just mentioned podcast i feel like you're reading my mind and i haven't even asked you the question yet um we started this conversation about twitching, about about twitching, about Twitch, about live streamers. Do you ever notice that they become podcasters? Like, do they become so competent on their live streams that they then go into podcasting about what they love? Oh, sure. I think it's there's such a lot of overlap between live streaming, podcasting, uh, YouTubing. They all have a different set of skills, but there's a Venn diagram with them all um live streaming you don't have to edit it's sort of off the cuff you have to be better at i think improvisation and dealing with tech as it happens because a lot of things can go wrong with a live stream i speak from experience um and a lot of those skills would then go into doing things on stage so we see a lot of people make the leap from podcasting youtubing and uh streaming to doing stuff at Comic-Con, which uh, is always exciting to see someone make that leap into the real world from the digital realm. Whereas YouTubing, it's about uh, visual editing. There's a a whole lot of skills around graphic design, uh, animating and editing there. Uh, And podcasting, it's all about the sound quality. Uh, And networking is more of a skill needed in podcasting, in my experience. So, yes, there's there's a lot of overlap and we do see a lot of people leap between uh, two or three of those as part of, uh, I want to say, like the the MCU of what they're doing. Um, Mm. So, like the the Alex Garrett universe uh, (laughs) has the blog, uh, Medium. I I mean, I'm just trying to kill it everywhere, you know, and I'm glad glad that you want to be part of this because I feel like you you can add some great advice and you sound like an awesome guest to have. This is the first time and I feel like I've known. I love talking to people I feel I've known for a long time, even if I've literally just talked to them for the first time on this podcast. You know, it's it's a good feeling. Oh, thank you. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I've been I've been stalking you since you got in touch. Uh, <laughs> cyber stalking you, not, not, not in real life. Um, as much as I'd love to come over to NYC again soon. Um, well, I, let I me ask about the doing. network. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I myself just want to dedicate my podcast to the news talk, and I felt that I could bring an angle from a, a perspective that my generation wasn't seeing. Then I said, no, that's not my niche. My niche isn't news. My niche is let's bring the conversation to adapting and to really helping people change their lives to the better. And, you know, 
I was born with one leg. So seeing, literally seeing people on TikTok and everything adapt to their amputation inspire me to start the adapting platform because I may have been sort of spared that whole trauma, but that doesn't mean I can't help support others in that journey right now just through this podcast and seeing where it goes. So uh, I yeah, feel- absolutely. That's, that's that's we we have so many limiting beliefs, and seeing someone else do it just sometimes gets rid of them, um, throws them away. So um, uh, Roger Bannister, who ran the four minute mile, and people believed it just wasn't possible <laughs> until he did it. That your lungs would collapse, that you know your your stomach would fall out of your rectum, <laughs> ridiculous things like that. And he did it, and then like eight other people did it in the following year because that limiting belief had been removed, and all of a sudden it was it was a possibility, and that's one of the things that you're doing. You're you're showing other people that you, you can adapt. That there are more possibilities out there. And I love bringing on stories and people who are helping adapt too. I think that's important too. That the the mm. teachers, the coaches, if you will, that are showing you you can adapt. Even gamers. I mean, not that. Well, I do believe phone addiction can become. A disability, so I would say uh, to get out of that. But he's, but but coaches to help us say that yeah, it's it's fun to be a geek, if you will. Uh, will help people not be afraid anymore if they listen to this. Yeah, um, see people like uh, oh Simon Pegg. I'm trying to remember the quote now that being a geek is just about having passion for something. When I started this business, I thought a geek was a gamer, but now you can be a dance geek, a piano geek, uh, a podcast ad- geek. Yeah, a podcast geek, an adaptability geek. Um, there's, there's so many kinds of geekery, and it really is just not being afraid to have a passion for something and to talk about things and enjoy them without guilt or fear or or feeling silly about it. Okay, I, a million dollar question coming up here because. When I see coaching for geeks, I feel like you're saying, "Hey, you may have, you may be a geek, but you don't have to self-destruct." I do find that in the creative com- community, in the streaming community, we're so hard-headed about it, we can self-destruct. So, how do you prevent people mm. from self-destructing and surviving and thriving? Oh my God, streamers, please take a day off <laughs> that you you don't have to stream all day every day. It's such a bad habit that so many people. Uh, so many streamers seem to think that they need to just be constantly on stream, whereas we just dial it back. Um, fewer streams, more breaks, and spend a bit of that time promoting yourself and networking and building up a support network around you of other streamers, other people you can talk to and share the highs and the lows and go, actually, I'm struggling a bit. They might beat your ass until you go, <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, I will take a day off. If you, if you will, um, everybody works too hard. Uh, nobody plays enough. Um, Even though they're playing a game, isn't that funny? Yeah, but it, it's still work. You're still on. It's not the same as just sitting down and going. That's oh, true. Do you know what? I'm just gonna play this for fun. I'm not gonna have to look at chats. I'm not gonna have to react in a heightened way. I'm not gonna have to keep talking. Um, sure, work hard, but work smart and when you feel those telltale telltale signs of burnout knocking please it's it's more important that you take a break your audience will wait i promise you it's funny because i've been doing this every day i've tried to 
but not 24 hours, but like once a day. <laughs> it's cathartic to me because I can get whatever's on this cranium of mine out into the world and I feel better for it. But I get what you're saying when you do it too much. That's the issue. All right. One thing people don't know about Coaching for Geeks leader Robin Bates. One thing. Oh, holy cow. That's... Uh... I'm quite open, so I think people. I'm quite an open book, um, so I could tell you. You know, I was airlifted out of Glastonbury Festival in the year I think it was 2000, which led to me missing uh, David Bowie's set, and I have still not forgiven myself for that. Oh my gosh! I don't know. I, I just hope you just still just dance though in honor of him. You know that I want to get a reference in there. So. Robin, loved having you on. Please do come back and uh, and tell us how things are going, especially as we get out of pandemic and you notice the conventions are back on. But more importantly, how your community is reacting to things coming back open and whether introverts and, and whatever you want to say are becoming more extroverted out of this pandemic. Want to know what your thinking is as we get out of this. Uh, it'd be my pleasure. I'd love to come back. And I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. Talk to you soon.